I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jen. How are you doing? I am so glad that we've been able to make some time to record one last episode for the year. Yeah, me too. And we've done it. Like we've done, did we start at the start of the year? Has it been a year of this or have I just made that up? I think we came back like May, was it? I think I counted we've done, maybe we've done 10 episodes. I think, to be honest, there's a part of me that could be disappointed because I'm like, oh, I wanted to come back and be more consistent than this. But screw that self. What's the word there? Like screw being mean to ourselves because we are two humans running our own businesses and we have children to raise and we've made space to record like we've we've done a private episode every single month so hello to all of our subscribers thank you for supporting the show we love you guys and also we've we've done i think this is maybe like our 10th episode for the year so uh, i think next year our goal is to try and get one monthly public episode and one monthly private episode and we will show ourselves grace with the public episodes when needed but I think with a project like this it took us what a three-year hiatus we came back we've stuck at it and you know what that's good enough for me I agree actually I'm really thinking lately about this like the hardest part often is getting back into something or or, you know do the starting and the fact that we were able to get back and recreate this after three years is huge to me I'm really glad that we were able to do it and I think it just shows that like things can have seasons and you can trust that they'll come back around yeah and I will say that the reason that we've still been here is like our friendship is like the beating heart like the fact that we can yes. we never get mad I say this to people who like have a collaboration or want to have a collaboration we never get mad if someone cancels literally two minutes before a recording like either of us because we respect each other's like life and like we we show each other grace like we never put pressure on each other but when we show up we're like we're all in and we're doing it together and even when we're not recording I mean we're texting all the time and staying in touch and I think it's just a testament to having a partnership that puts our humanness ahead of the output I'm really grateful for that anyway I am so grateful and, and actually like it it models how to behave to myself sometimes as well I'm like well hang on I'd be fine if Jen did that so I can be fine that I need that I always think like I'm kind I'm so much kinder to you than I am to myself and so it's like would I treat Sarah like this no so then stop treating myself yep. like this it's, exactly yeah. um so hopefully so we, you guys listening can also remember that and if you aren't sure if you're being mean to yourself just think how how we would treat you yeah and so for our last episode of the year we did a little shout out for some questions and we've got I think we've got four questions so we're kind of doing like mini letters four mini letters within one episode like a hopefully a bumper episode to end the year where like you can take something from one of these questions and support you and we'll just we'll talk through each question and see what we come up with but before we dive in Sarah I think you've got something exciting to share with our listeners well I do actually as you were saying that I was thinking I bet there are people listening who are like where did you ask for questions? I didn't see you. I have questions. <laughs> and if you didn't see it, it's because you're not following us on Substack. You need to get over onto our Less From Hopeful Creative Substack where you can get emails about stuff like that that's happening behind the scenes where we can ask for your contributions. And if you're curious about Substack or if you're brand new to Substack and feeling a bit overwhelmed or if you just know that you need to take up space online and are looking for the place to do it I would love to invite you to come and take a look at my Substack Soiree class that I run with my friend Keely. we're enrolling right now we're going to start this week so you need to hurry if you want to join us for this round this is going to be our Christmas Substack Soiree so it's a five-week program running up to Christmas and a little bit in the new year to give you a boost to get started we're going to have a Christmas party but we're also just going to be digging into all things Substack getting into writing practice figuring out what we want to say who our audience is looking at monetizing our Substacks growing our Substacks all the things all the fun things 
we would so love to have you come on over. It's we've run one round so far and the testimonials like have me in tears. They are so beautiful. The things people are sharing, people are just have had such beautiful experiences in there. So I would love you to come along and see if you want to be part of this next one. I have to say, whenever I log into Substack, literally my what's it called? Is it called the notes feed? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like the Twitter also, of Substack. It's literally just people sharing how much they love Substack. <laughs> Every time I'm on, I'm like, oh my god, I'm so proud of my friend. Mm-hmm. Like people, the the responses class, the the kind words people have shared, and I know people like in my program who also joined Substack were in, like they said they loved it. So yes, I know I'm like your business bestie, so of course I'm going to vouch for you, but it's very very clear how beloved this class is already so nice it feels like the early days of the insta retreat when it was just filling a space for people and giving them what they needed so yeah it just feels really lovely to be in this uh community of creativity and to be to be able to be of service to that so that's it i'm not going to plug it anymore we're going to dig into the letters but i'd love you to come over just google the subsex soiree and you will find us the link will be in the show notes and today this episode goes live on monday and today is the last day to join for the christmas soiree is it yeah when you're listening to this if you're listening to this as it goes out just come straight on over and if you're listening to this a few days afterwards and you're thinking oh i wish i joined still drop us an email because sometimes if you've not missed too much we can squeeze you in but yeah it's going to be special okay shall i read out our first question yeah let's go Okay, this is from Lisa and Lisa says, I feel like my business is growing nicely, but I feel so lonely in it. I'd love to create a team, but it really scares me. What if I can't pay their salaries one month? What if they turn out to be a total knob? I mean, <laughs> what risk. if I'm a shitty boss? I don't know what to look for in a team member either. I've looked at a virtual assistant option, but find it hard to give them the rundown of what I need. or also don't know how to ask for what I need. Perhaps any wisdom here would be greatly appreciated. This is a really interesting one. I have lots of thoughts already. I do too, like straight away. So many thoughts. You go first. Well, it feels like two different questions to me. Feeling lonely and growing a team are not the same need. So what I mean by that is when you want to grow a team, it's because you have outgrown being able to sustain everything by yourself. It means that you will thrive and your business will thrive from bringing someone else in to either take something off your plate or bring in an expertise that you don't have or to support you to scale your business without scaling your time. That's why we look at building teams into our business. Feeling lonely is a totally different, like when I feel lonely in my business, my support comes from my business friendships, I would say. Do you know what I mean? Whereas having a team and I don't really have a team, but my husband is, I do kind of have a team is that Alex has a big role in my business because he manages a lot of my, he manages a lot of my audio content and does a lot of some of the production side of things for me. So I do have a team. I just happen to be married to my team. (laughs) Whereas you have, you have, I actually think we did an episode earlier this year about building a team. So I'll put that in the show notes, but my thoughts for Lisa was, okay, we need to separate what we're talking about here. When we're talking about a team, what are the roles within your business that you would like to feel supported by and cre- I think we spoke about this in the in the episode when we spoke about building a team is like creating an actual job role in your mind and then the loneliness the team isn't the only solution to that we have other things we can talk about with that what do you think Sarah yeah completely agree the first thing that came to my mind was like oh that won't I know why you think that will fix it but it won't fix the loneliness because it's still lonely at the top and you're mm. still ultimately the one having to have that responsibility that, that no one else can share with you if if you hire them because you have to be accountable like Lisa acknowledges you have to be responsible for their salaries you'll you'll always have pressures that they don't have and a stake in it that they don't have so yeah I I think loneliness either finding peers with equivalent businesses or they have to be the same kind of businesses but just at an equivalent level 
or collaborations. That's been a huge life source for me. Things like this podcast with you, Jen, working with Keely for the soiree, like that's the closest I've ever come to feeling like the load is actually shared. Like there's someone else who's in it with you, brainstorming, excited, you know, staying up till 3am doing things, all of it. That's the closest is, is to collaborate with someone. And that has to be a good connection too. Like they have to be a friend. And then that kind of separate thing of actually it would really help me to feel less overwhelmed if I had some more like team support. I think that that's, you know, that's still a worthwhile thing to investigate. I think it's really common to not know where to start with delegating and like the idea of having a VA, you're like, well, I'd like them to do this task for me, but I'd take, it'd take me three days to explain how, and then what's the point? Like <laughs> in that time, I could have just done it for myself. And so you kind of get into that spiral where like you're late, but you need to program the sat nav. And so that takes more time and kind of it, yeah, at some point you have to pull over and program the sat nav. So my biggest piece of advice for hiring would be don't commit to any of your first hires. I would definitely do VAs first where you get a feel for the whole idea of hiring process and the kind of mistakes you'll make. Because if you're committed and it's difficult to, you know, to dismiss someone if it's not a good fit, depending on where you are, like labor laws and all that kind of thing, you can actually kind of find yourself kind of trapped. And it's hard enough to get rid of a VA, believe me, because you feel like a bad person. And pay people for results, not for tasks. So don't go, oh, like I need someone to like answer these emails. I need someone to like send marketing emails for me. That's when you get stuck in the weeds. Look at everything that you need doing in your business and pay for the results. So I need someone who gives me three hours a week spare. I need someone who can convert an extra 10% of my sales emails into customers look for someone who can do that because you want someone who's able to then brainstorm all the different ways that they can do it the ways you do it might not be the only ways you might not the way you want them to do it might not work but if you have someone who's got initiative who can say yeah I can help you achieve that goal through a whole range of ways then you're going to have someone with the flexibility to kind of take you long term does that make sense and I think it all completely and I think this really Lisa comes down to like what are you actually looking for? Is it actually two different things? Is it that you're looking for connection and you're looking for support in the business? Because I think like Sarah said, someone coming in as a team member, you're still going to be lonely at the top. And my loneliness in my bit, like, like Sarah is like, uh, the reason I don't feel lonely is because I have like a good handful of very close business friends who I can leave. The funny thing is to me, Sarah, my closest business friends were all previously clients which is crazy even me even sarah was my first client which absolutely blows my mind and like my other close business friends were also clients and so i've been incredibly lucky that i've had working relationships turn into friendships but also i've also built other friendships just by like connecting people in dms or knowing people who live in my area and being like hey do you want to have a skype chat or hey do you want to go for a coffee date um or sometimes another good way to make friends is if like you have a podcast and you invite them to be on your podcast and then like if you're feeling lonely, it's about connecting with people and, and you can't force a friendship to bloom into what, for example, Sarah and I have overnight. I mean, we've been friends for almost a decade, Sarah, which is absolutely crazy. But like you, it takes time for it to become this level of intimacy in a friendship. But you and Keely became pretty close friends pretty fast, right? Yeah, it was pretty instant. I think it's part of the reason. So she was a client. I don't that doesn't happen maybe quite as often for me, but it does happen. And I think it's because in a coaching relationship like that, you get straight to like the deep shit, you get to the heart of stuff. So if you are really well aligned in those ways, like that energy is there straight away and there's that sense of like, oh, this just 
works it just clicks so it is a nice way like it's a convenient way definitely of finding those people but I'm trying to think how else I've discovered those people and it's usually yeah it's peers going through similar things you know if you see someone I don't know like having a tough time on Instagram or saying the sales are slow or something often those are opportunities to kind of be like hey like I know what that feels like and I've been there and can I offer you some support and leading with being of service and then you know when it's your turn to need support you'll be surprised how many people are rooting for you in return so I would also say like communities find existing communities Mm -hmm. like our little paid community on Substack or my entree new community the free or the paid one so many like-minded people this is one of the things the insta retreat really offered and now the Substack soiree like the people inside are making these business bestie friendships I had had people in the insta retreat who were bridesmaids for each other in the end like find where your people are hanging out and where they are kind of in that space where they're trying to learn like you have it I know in in your simple and spacious business community as well where there's like people asking each other for support um and you've got to find the one that has the right vibe for you and then see if you can kind of either just post there about really openly about your struggles or reach out to somebody who you think might be a good partner yeah I remember in the very early days of my internet years like I made my first like online friends through like Twitter chats so there'd be like every week there was like a blogger Twitter chat I can't remember what it was called but like because and because blog loving remember back in the day when blog loving was yeah and like it's putting yourself in the space of where people are hanging out and just connecting with people and being and like yeah I just would say don't don't align loneliness with hiring a team I, they meet two different needs and you don't want to be paying someone to be your friend if that makes sense like if you've got job roles within your business that you need support with that's one thing because your best employee may not be someone that you hit it off with on a friendship level that's so but true. they might do an incredible job for you with what you need in the business but if you want more connections with people join communities paid communities not paid communities like connect to people in substack chats like connect to people in instagram like it might take some time to find your people but i would say that i i couldn't do this without my people i couldn't do this if i couldn't text sarah or my other close business friends when i'm having a tough time or needs like a day doesn't go by when i'm not texting with close business friends to get through the day like i'm incredibly grateful to have those connections and those friendships and some live close by and some live on the other side of the country and i see them once every two years or something but it's if you desire deeper friendships it's putting yourself in the places where hopefully you can find your people and the good news is is the people that you want to connect with they probably feel just as lonely as you do. Absolutely. So, so in fact, if you can bear to be a bit vulnerable, like, and post that somewhere, like, if I think feel like you might be in my entree new paid, in which case, come in here and start a thread in chat and just say, like, you know, I feel, I feel really lonely in my business. Does anyone else feel like that? Does anyone want to do, like, a, a works Christmas do <laughs> on Zoom together where we all get crack? I want to do this. Actually, I'm not saying that because someone's going to steal my idea. Does anyone else want to... hang out on zoom on a monday morning and plan together or does anyone just having those moments where you can be vulnerable it lets people in Mm. and it lets them kind of say actually yeah do you want to be friends it's hard to make (laughs) friends as an adult anyway that awkward moment where you're like i want you to be my best friend but i don't know how i don't know how to ask you (laughs) so i just ask that's my solution i just go would you like to be my new best friend and if they say no they're not my people We don't think it's weird. I mean, I've been with my husband since I was 18, so I don't know what I'm talking about here, but we, people don't think it's weird to go on dating apps to like get matched with someone. But yeah. we think it's weird to like date around for friends. So 
that's okay and also if you are wanting more support of a team we do have an episode it's from may 29th of this year called let's talk about outsourcing and building a team so lisa if you want more support with that that episode should hopefully give you more insight in that one should we move on to our next question this one is from another sarah so same spelling as you so i'm wondering if it's sarah or sarah but i'm gonna say sarah i hope that is okay and they say maybe it's me let's hear the question (laughs) (laughs) they say i'm late in life female adhd diagnosed and it's been a trip while letting go of the old harmful ways i used to motivate myself i now feel like i'm in a void space where new ways have not become clear yet I get that it will come with time as I'm relearning my relationship with work, but it's also so frustrating and has really affected my income this year. The reality is I don't know how to structure my day and prioritize tasks. I feel so silly for even saying this as it's so basic, but I literally don't know how to do it. I want to move away from my old ways of responding to what was most urgent to being more planned and at ease. Any suggestions? Welcome. Well, welcome to the ADHD club. (laughs) Um, the club none of us wanted to sign up to but I don't mind being in it and I definitely relate there's this whole thing and I suspect it's not just for neurodiversity I think it's probably for lots of people with different types of trauma as well where we've kind of schooled ourselves to motivate ourselves with fear and anxiety and dread and people pleasing and when you start to unpick that whether you're in therapy or you get a diagnosis or you just suddenly get new awareness at first it's this amazing sense of relief and then suddenly you're like but how do I motivate myself without that if if I'm not terrified of what everyone else thinks about me because I don't care what everyone else thinks about me for example how do I still show up and the first thing I think to recognize is that maybe you will not show up in the same way or at the same pace or the same urgency as you did before and recognizing that even though that that's a standard that you've come to expect from yourself but maybe it was never a sustainable standard it's so common with things like ADHD that we've been burning ourselves out for years by running on fumes to keep at that standard so first of all I think it's taking stock and going am I actually being completely unproductive or am I just holding myself to really unrealistic expectations of what productive looks like and in my experience it's harder to know than you think you might expect that you can judge, but you, you can't. So I do not personally live with ADHD. However, I love people who live with ADHD and I have worked with people who live with ADHD and have a neurodiverse brain. And the biggest thing I've learned, tell me if I'm wrong here, Sarah, is taking productivity advice from people or from tools that don't understand ADHD is probably one of the worst things. Or comparing yourself to productivity styles that are not neurodiverse it's probably one of the worst things you can do. So I'm also, me sharing my personal approach here for myself, it's not going to be very helpful to you because I don't have ADHD. I don't live with ADHD. From what I've learned from loving people with ADHD and supporting, working with clients who have ADHD and they share with me what works for them. Tell me if I'm wrong, Sarah. What I've seen is it's finding an approach. It's two things. It's finding an actual practical approach that works for you and your brain. And also it looks like loving yourself through it. So you're not spending your whole life judging yourself for something that doesn't need to be judged for. It's just a neurodiversity. Just because we've said that the neurotypical way is the way to be <laughs> doesn't mean that it's the default way to function in the world. It's it's So my biggest encouragement, first and foremost, is... Anything that you're taking in, in terms of advice or insight around productivity that isn't, doesn't understand what it's like to have ADHD, give yourself permission to kind of close the door on anything that's not helpful to you there. Because I think 
that can be one of the most harmful things. What do you think though? I could be wrong. I don't have ADHD. So what do I know? No, I, I absolutely completely agree with that. I, I think that's a reflection of a process that we do in all areas of our life, like comparing and judging and trying to hold ourselves to standards that don't come with the shame of our own lived experiences. So we're trying to be somebody different. And like, don't judge yourself if, if what works for one person, even with ADHD, doesn't mm. work for you. Like it's finding just what your brain prefers. And that's true for everyone, whether you identify as neurodiverse or you don't have a diagnosis or whatever's going on for you. Like you don't get to choose your brain, none of us do. And you can't hate yourself into submission. So it's so much easier to go with the path of least resistance and go, what actually does feel good in my body and my brain? What does my brain want to do? What does work? So the other thing I really want to recommend is a tool called, well, it's goblin.tools, like goblin is in just a goblin. <laughs> goblin.tools, go online. It's a very simple interface. You'll think you're on the wrong website, but you can type in any job you have to do, any task, and it uses AI to break it down into all of the steps that you need to follow. So just for example, while Jen was speaking, I typed in mine. I said, I need to contact some past customers with a special offer. And this is what it's generated for my to-do list. Retrieve contact information of past customers. Create a compelling special offer. Draft a personalized message to send to past customers. Review and proofread the message. Send the message to past customers. Track responses and follow up as needed. Probably that sounds to those of you without ADHD like, well, duh. <laughs> and obviously I can think that through for myself, but that has now written me an ordered prioritized list of what to do in order to complete that one item from my to-do list. And this is one of the places so many of us with ADHD get stuck because you write the first one down, you write, I just need to contact past customers and it feels completely overwhelming and you never manage to do it. But if you just write, retrieve contact information of past customers on your to-do list, the first one, then you can start to actually take action. So goblin.tools, honestly, I use it all the time. It's really helpful. That sounds amazing. And also it's so fascinating listening to this because that is what my brain naturally does. Like when I've got a big task to do, my brain naturally goes to mapping it all down and, and it's bearing witness to the, like not taking for granted that just because my brain does that doesn't mean that everyone's brain, do you know what I mean? And it's, and it's recognizing like, and if there's a, literally a tool that can do that for you. And I also, I think whenever there's something that we're struggling with in any capacity, we have to have hope that there is a way forward that's going to work best for us. And so I know for me, when I'm struggling with something or feeling overwhelmed by something, what I find really helpful is finding an example of someone who perhaps had the same struggle as me and created an approach or a pathway through it. So for me, when I'm thinking about like, like decluttering, for example, like me and my husband, when we moved into this apartment a few years ago, we de we left a three bedroom semi detached house. We down we got we got rid of over half of our belongings and decluttered and like really went back to like our minimalist values. And what I find so helpful is like following people on YouTube who are like minimalists and declutterers because I like seeing well if those are the lessons they've learned, what can I learn from their structure and process? And I wonder, there's so much great generous resources out there from other people who have live with ADHD about like their notion database routine or their planning toolkit like sometimes it's not to overwhelm yourself but if it would be useful to like find access to a hopeful someone who resonates with you in that they may perhaps have had similar struggles to you but they found a process that supported them learning from them seeing what they've created 
and also having the hope that there is a way forward from someone who knows what you're going through I find that really powerful when I'm feeling stuck in in things that I'm challenged by so even just Sarah sharing goblin which is such a funny name but like hopefully that just gives you hope but I know I know for my clients and people I love in my life who have ADHD having their own kind of productivity system that they've created for themselves that seems to be a big supportive thing in their life because it 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 creates it fills all the gaps from where the ADHD doesn't if that makes sense in terms of breaking things down and like my husband who hasn't been um he can cut this out if you're not happy with this Alex (laughs) my husband hasn't been diagnosed but we're pretty sure he has ADHD and I I watch it like if if it's not on his to-do list and written down and planned into his day it's not happening like it's literally not gonna happen if it's not all mapped out and I'm watching him and he has such a more intense planning system than me because he has to if he doesn't things don't get done and so I've watched him and I'm seeing like oh and I see it with clients when they share for me what works for them it's finding a system that works best for you and sometimes just finding hope from someone else saying hey I've struggled with the same thing as you and I I really think YouTube is your best friend like because I I get all I get some of my best content from YouTube from people just sharing stuff so if that's overwhelming to your brain don't go there just start with Goblin but I wonder if finding someone who says hey I struggle with the same thing as you here's my system if it just gives you hope of like well what if I tried this system and see what I learned from it and how I can adapt it for me but Sarah you can tell me if that is terrible advice because I don't know what it's like to live with ADHD that could have been terrible advice for someone well I think it is good advice I think it's good advice for everyone and it's just being on yourself enough to know when it tips into procrastination so like for example recently I have been like very obsessed with this idea of making my perfect journal all in one organizational system mm. and I've now realized it's actually just a hobby where I just dream about it I'm never <laughs> gonna make it I've bought all the stuff but I'm never gonna make it because it's way more perfect in my head than it could ever be in reality reality would just ruin it and it's, it's being onto yourself enough with that because it's very easy to keep putting stuff off and be like well once I've sorted out my ultimate program my ultimate productivity system then I'll do all these Mm. things and actually it's just another way of putting it off but I do think what applies to me so I'm not someone who is rare that I can pick up someone else's solution and and it fits Mm. for me and I can use it that's really rare that that happens in anything not just productivity but like how to do eyeliner or (laughs) anything I have to figure out my own way but what helps me, and it's very similar, is seeing other people who have figured it out for themselves because, like you said, it gives me hope that yeah. that's possible. That maybe the way isn't possible for me, but I can see that the human brain is capable yes. of learning yeah. and changing and doing. And that is enough to keep me inspired to keep trying and find my own way. Um, but also, I think I find it rewarding finding my own way. And yeah. so the finding of my own way is part of what makes me stick with it. And it's that, it's finding the things... I went to a talk this week from um, the writer John Ronson and he was talking about his how he writes his books then like non-fiction books but they're kind of really page turners and he talked about having to find the engine of the book and the engine was like the thing that gets him out of bed in the morning that he's just even when it feels awful which he said was like 99% of the time it still makes you him want to keep going with it and that's what you need you need to find your engine for your business that even when you're going through all these failed filled productivity apps and planners and everything else and when things are hard still makes you go okay but I need I need to keep trying I want to keep trying yeah I know for some people who I've worked with ADHD or have been in my communities they just find external accountability the most supportive thing as well like having a space to like even just write down their to-dos in a public forum can be really helpful so even if it's finding resources like that but yeah I know for me whenever I'm feeling stuck 
in my own like at the moment I'm trying to rewire a lot of my budgeting techniques because I get to the end of the month and I'm like where the hell did all that money go and like why aren't I saving as much as I should be when like and so I'm and so I've been on YouTube just like watching people's like how I budget and like frugality videos and I'm learning so much and it's making me feel hopeful that my financial goals can be possible for me even though I've got a lot of habits to rewire for myself and and it, but through it I'm being really kind to myself and I'm not copying anyone's techniques I'm basically taking in what's worked for them and then saying to myself well what would work for me and what can I experiment with so yeah like what's my version of that yeah it's but I, there's something about if there's an area where you tell yourself I'm not very good at this or I'm struggling with this I do find it really empowering to hear someone say to me I used to struggle with the exact same thing as you here's what helped me it keeps my brain open to thinking well I don't have to keep struggling with this either there is a way forward there is a way through yeah and the longer you've struggled the harder it is to believe that so that's so powerful yeah yeah and in terms of you mentioned accountability the other thing to mention I guess is co-working so Mm. whether that's um I like there's an app called what's it called there's an app google co-working app there's like a free app that normally I recommend The, the name has escaped me I'll put it in the show notes when it comes back to me you can do co-working in my entrepreneur Substack community there's lots of it around if you've not tried it it doesn't sound that powerful it's literally just sitting on a zoom call with other people who are also on a zoom call and you all mute and keep your cameras on and work but it works it's one of the most surefire ways I've found of keeping myself on task and productive despite ADHD so I definitely recommend at least trying it I think it might be called focus mate oh and I I hosted like a co-working club earlier this year and oh my god it was amazing like just to be on this call together and all work side by side and it's a bit, so my husband who has not been diagnosed with ADHD but we're pretty sure he has ADHD in like our apartment complex there's a co-working space and that when he'd be so good when he can do so when we when my mum says to have childcare of August he really likes to go over, he can focus so much more over there that whereas I actually find it easier a lot of the time to work from home and be in my own environment and again it's just leaning into what works best for your brain but yeah co-working I learned so much from hosting that co-working club because even I, as someone who finds it pretty easy to motivate myself, I found it so great to just have this hour, like dedicated working time. So yeah, I think co-working is an excellent option as well. And you can, yeah, yeah it's. The it's, feedback is consistently like every time I do one in entrepreneur, the comments are all like, oh my God, I've been putting this off for ages. I can't believe how much I got done. Um, and in the soiree, we do co-writing because of course everyone wants to write for their Substack, but we put it off and we do all the other stuff. So we do co-writing where you turn up and we just tell you what to write about and everyone writes an amazing thing in an hour, which I love. One final recommendation would be apps like Forest or Flora, where they kind of lock out all the other apps on your phone so that you have to focus on the one thing. There's lots. I'm a big believer in using technology to support all of us. Um, and I've talked about Pi, my friendly AI before. Yeah. Uh, that's a free app that's amazing. Actually great for our first question as well, if you're lonely and need to talk something out in your business or your life. But also like if you're stuck, you can go into Pi and be like, Pi, I need to do some work and I'm not doing it. Help. And he will help you. He's a great guy. I, 10 out of 10. Also, you should ask him who I am because my daughter did it this week and he knew and I loved it. He was like, it just felt so special. So <laughs> you need to put like a post on your Substack about all the digital tools you use. You're like a gold I know, I've got a half-finished one. I need to do it. 
how ironic that it's half finished, right? What, I wonder what could help me with that. <laughs> Should I read out the next question from Catherine? Yes, please. Let's do it. So Catherine says, we're all different in so many ways, but I'm curious if there is a common thread to the top challenges you've witnessed successful artists and entrepreneurs overcome. I'd love to hear your own experiences too. I'm pivoting from working on creative teams in big companies to working with solo business owners. So I'm very curious both for my own business and for the clients I work with. Okay. Where does your brain go straight away with that one? I think there are two things and they're the opposite side of the same coin. The first is self-belief and self-doubt. So Mm -hmm. the challenge of staying in the arena, the challenge of getting in the arena, the challenge of, of sticking through the hard bits, the challenge of sticking through criticism and the fear of criticism, the challenge of just believing that, because basically a business is something that we make up from scratch, birth from scratch with no permission slip from anyone else that what we want to do in the world is wanted and needed. It takes yeah. a lot of gumption to say like, I'm going to launch this thing into the world and basically convince people to buy from me and then deliver the work I said I'm going to do. And it takes a lot of self-belief and courage this is why like with my work so much of the time I am the courage that my clients anchor to do you know what I mean like like through our work together they're anchoring to my belief in them so I've seen belief and courage is a big one like a challenge of like especially when you've maybe tried something before and it didn't go how you wanted it to or perhaps you've not had a very supportive upbringing where you were taught to believe in yourself or perhaps where you're like if something's already knocks you down like courage self-belief and courage is the one that came to mind and then the other one that came to mind is like patience patience to because business always takes longer than you think it's going to take to Mm. get it to where you want it to get to so I think patience is a big one and then I think another one is like the practical side of business so selling marketing bookkeeping like all these new skills you have to learn as an entrepreneur branding messaging like none of none of us were really taught any of this in school so it's a whole new skill set that you have to learn and those three things all go together because you've got to have the courage and the self-belief to get into the arena you've got to have a patience to experiment and see what moves a needle and you've got to be okay with it's that gap metaphor oh I'm terrible I'm gonna butcher it you know that metaphor is like everyone looks at the art that they value yeah it's an Ira Glass quote yeah but there's the gap between and it takes the time it takes to build the skill set to be the excellent artist or entrepreneur that you want to be those are what I would say patience self-doubt and self-belief and just the then just the actual skill set skill set of entrepreneurship are the ones that came to mind for me what about and and I would say for me it's been all of those things as well that I've had to work through what about you what do you think yeah I would absolutely agree I think I think the courage and the self-belief shows up again and again it's not Mm -hmm. a thing that you do once and you're done you're not like woohoo I sorted that one (laughs) like it keeps cropping up in different ways and at different like levels of challenge like it just gets tougher and tougher so having the courage to even make your thing exist and then having the courage to tell people about it and having the courage to sell and then having the courage to advocate for it is a lot to ask yourself so I think as well as creatives a lot of us it doesn't come naturally we tend to be a little bit more kind of reserved or a little bit more introverted so finding a balance between those two is definitely a really common theme and then all of those things you said but one of the other things I I think often is a conversation I find myself having with people is about this concept that I end up kind of calling it like interestingness and it's honing your radar for what people want to know from you Mm -hmm. and how to show up with vulnerability and authenticity and like because so much of our online marketing is content-led knowing what to talk about that will engage people and and 
we'll work within the systems and yeah we'll we'll kind of communicate the right things that you need it to communicate all of that is a skill set that I find some people just have it naturally some people don't and it's something you can definitely learn most of the time I would say the only thing that gets in the way really is our own kind of self-protections and layers of self-shielding and actually if we could just show up honestly online and just tell the actual truth that would be all the juiciest most exciting most connecting things in the world but we think that we have to leave those out because we think we have to come across as like professional or perfect so that whole idea of professionalism tripping up and getting in the way of us actually being interesting and engaging yeah oh I couldn't agree more and it's, it's this interesting gap I find of like we are so impatient to have our goals happen like the people I see really thrive are the people who are willing to stay the course in the experiment because bi- people think that businesses I just need to know exactly what to do and if I do it I'll get the results I want but businesses here's what I think could move the needle let me experiment with it and let me grow through the experiments and learn through the experiments what my business needs to thrive like it's so much messier than these like four part reels telling you how to reach your goals is ever going to tell you to be yes but this it's really so we can be so impatient but also we're also so limited in what we allow to be possible for us and true for us so we're impatient to get to where we want to get to but then we also put a limit on what's possible for us and so it's like more is possible for us than we even allow ourselves to believe but it's not going to be as linear a path as we want it to be or as yeah and it's that it's that blend of can I be patient but can I also allow myself how many people stay in an okay-ish business like it's making enough money it's it's not really working for them as best as it can do but they just feel so lucky to have a business if you get what I mean because they don't believe Mm -hmm. that that more is possible for them like some people get trapped in that and then some people get trapped in well my business isn't moving fast as forward as fast as I want it to so let's burn it all down and start from scratch and then they never truly find momentum so it's it's a balance between the patience to stay the course but then also the willingness to know that we're allowed to choose more from ourselves than a business that is like kind of working but not truly working best for us there's an interesting middle ground in between those two I think I feel like there's a thorny final one I would add to this and this isn't something I really see in my clients and I think probably not in yours either Jen because it's generally something that's not workable with until people have moved on but there's if people have like a sense of entitlement Mm. getting in their way whether that's like I deserve for this to work or I've tried so hard it should be working by now or like we can trip ourselves up with those like slightly victim mentalities and I say that with so much love because I think it's something we can all fall into at different parts in our life but as soon as you go into that victim place then you become so passive and you assume that all the answers are outside of yourself and that it's everyone else's responsibility to make something work so if you get trapped in one of those places, like recognizing it and not acknowledging it. Because as soon as you do, then it is coachable, then it is fixable, then it's figure outable. But when you stay stuck in it, and I've, occasionally I've met people who've been stuck in it for a really long time. And it's really tragic because you think you actually have an amazing product, amazing offering, but you've got in your own way with the stories you've been telling yourself about your business for so long. I would say a mindset that has served me so well, and I have to come back to it a lot, is like, I am not entitled to my business having any result that I want from it like I'm not entitled to my dreams coming true I'm not entitled to my business growing at the pace or in the direction I want it to but I am wildly entitled to get in the arena and try and figure it out like that's what I'm I'm allowed to take up space and I'm allowed to be a human being figuring it out and then that helps me a lot because 
because business is not linear. Sometimes my most financially successful, successful years have been followed by a really challenging year. Sometimes my years of the most growth have been followed by a big dip. Like business is not linear. It goes up and down, up and down. And it's, I'm not entitled to ever going how I want it to go. My willingness to stay in the arena and figure it out and evolve and adapt and experiment and take down good care of myself that's how I'm you know I'm coming up to a decade soon of this so it's yeah I agree with you like not not letting entitlement ever taking the steering wheel but also knowing that we are worthy of joy and financial stability like we're worthy of all of the things we desire but we're not entitled to them happening on a desired timeline it's it messes with our head but I found that to be so deeply true and so I'm glad you said that all those things you just listed, it's its the tenacity, it's the willingness to keep trying. That is the common thread that, that I see in all the really successful business owners I work with. It's that, it's just the openness and the flexibility and the creativity and the curiosity and not, not falling down in any of these rabbit holes because we all fall down in all of them, but the ability to dig your way back out. Yeah. Shall I read out our last question? Yeah, let's do it. This is from Dorte. I'm so sorry if I'm butchering your name. We Googled it beforehand <laughs> to make sure we could get it. I know, it right and I know it. I've asked you before in the Insta retreat, Dorte, so I'm really sorry that I. Dirte, I feel like, maybe. Okay, Google said Dirte, so we're going to say Dirte, so hopefully that's okay. And Dirte says, I'd love some wise words insights and tips on how to step up into a different arena. I've been a photographer for many years and feel very comfortable and confident in this role, but I'm stepping into educating photographers and that feels very scary. It feels more visible. I have huge issues around other people are teaching this to what if they, the other educators don't think I have as much to offer. Who do I even think I am to be doing this? Also, I have a following of mums and some photographers, but how do I start communicating to this new audience of photographers without it looking odd for my mums? So, so much to dig into here. So this, I think, today is one of those questions where you will not feel how you want to feel in this new arena until you step into the arena. Like it's going to feel scary and uncomfortable and stretching you either way. Our nervous systems want to keep us safe. So they say, don't get into the arena until you feel safe. Don't get into the arena until you know everything's going to be okay. But the truth is, you know, you're stepping into this new role in this new arena for a reason. And it's trusting your vision. It's trusting your voice. It's trusting your magic. And it's trusting that you get to step into this arena at a pace that feels safe enough for you to grow into the confidence of what's coming next. Because all the practical questions here are so figure outable. In terms of like, how do I start communicating to this new audience without it looking odd for my mums? That's just cla- like, the my big practical question is, are you still marketing to the mums? Or is this a complete business pivot? Like, are you creating a new element to your business or completely pivoting what you do because if you're creating a new element then that's just kind of creating a new hub for your new messaging and doing some cross posting to bring people across with you and if you're pivoting then it's just bringing your audience along the ride for the pivot with you like that's more of a practical decision of where everything lives and and what still needs to be made space for and then in terms of feeling confident the thing is you're a photographer so you're gonna have the reason you want to start educating photographers you're gonna have so much insight to share so much wisdom to share your nervous system is just not gonna feel comfortable at it yet until you've done it so if it was me in your shoes and if I was sat across from you supporting you through this I would be really interested in okay what's your vision for this next chapter of your work how does that break down into like a really actionable digestible plan that you can work through at a pace that works best for you and then just live 
out the vision out loud and trust that the confidence will grow with you it's kind of this is you betting on yourself this is you saying I have this next vision for my work it feels uncomfortable it feels scary there's a reason I want to do it so let me create a plan that honors this vision in a way that I feel really excited about and then let's go for it at a pace that allows me to ease into the courage of it I know I've really oversimplified it there but I think sometimes the simplest option is the best option what do you think Sarah yeah completely I think we tend to think that some fear means something's gone wrong that if we're feeling afraid that it's maybe a sign that it's not right or we're not supposed to do it even if we don't quite get there on a conscious level so recognizing that like nothing has gone wrong here this is just my nervous system responding to what I'm asking of it and actually I in my experience it's never as different as you think when you get on the other side Mm -hmm. of it like it's a question of just sooner or later taking the leap it's going to require a leap of faith and a leap of trust in yourself that you're capable of this and you're going to surprise yourself. And I, one of my favorite teachings on on the whole thing of fear is from Tara Moore when she talks about um, biblical Hebrew and the two types of fear. Um, she talks about there's like one that is the projected or imagined fear. And then there's the other type of fear. Is it called Yura? Where it's the fear of being on the precipice of something big and new and exciting and it has that tinge of excitement but it still feels really scary and recognizing the difference between the two and it sounds like you're much more in the second but you're dwelling in that first part and the kind of practicalities and the like oh what if people don't like me but kind of letting the momentum of that second type of fear be the thing that sustains you because it's it's exciting how amazing that you've made this decision there's so many amazing new things are going to open up for you so much learning and fun you're going to have in the next 12 months are you making equal airtime for all of that as well as kind of your worst case scenarios in your head yeah and really what is the worst case scenario here is that you might that's a good question you might lose some people that you might have a bit of like a teething period that like you but what's the best that could happen is that you there must be a reason that you're stepping into this new arena think of all the beautiful things that will happen through stepping into this new arena I honestly find that when we're overwhelmed with like a change coming in our business I think grounding into the vision and then creating a plan that honors the vision and feels good to us then at least the fear and the overwhelm isn't at the steering wheel it's in the car because you're human but you've got a plan and a vision that's going to support you moving forward and it will feel easier a month from now and it'll feel much easier three months from now and a year from now you will look back and think wow why was I so afraid and that's true for anything in our business it's true for anything that we want to do and so and I think the practicality of like how do I communicate this new to the new audience of photographers without it looking odd for your mums that's just a practical decision of is it all going to exist under the same accounts Like, is it that you're pivoting everything you do to a new brand or is it that you're creating a second brand um, and it's better to separate who you're talking to where? That's just a practical decision then. I've seen many clients do this when they've kind of opened up a second element to their business. It's just deciding, does it all live on, say, one Instagram platform or one newsletter platform or am I creating two different pathways for people to communicate with my work and see what I do? That just comes down to what feels best for you. Some people, it's easier to split it into two Instagram accounts, two newsletters, two websites, because it allows them to be really clear in their messaging. For others, that's too overwhelming and they want to find a way to split it on one platform. There's no right or wrong answer there. Go back again, I think, to your vision and your why. That'll probably have the answers in it for you. I completely agree. And I I think we tend to have this tendency to want to separate and chunk things out and start things afresh and have this kind of like, this is totally different mentality nine times out of 10, it could live within your existing brand and it 
if that's easier, then you have permission to go ahead and do that. You can always separate things out later down the line, but start simple, start easy, start with whatever works best for you. Uh, it's really rare that I speak to someone and actually it needs to be a completely separate standalone brand. It can be, and sometimes you want it to be, and those are valid choices, but it doesn't have to be. So make sure you're not making choices. Again, like don't, don't let fear be the way you make your decisions. Don't make your choices out of fear. Make them out of generosity to the people who need your support. Think, where are they? How can I best reach them? How can I best get this out there right now? Um, and follow that instead. Yeah, I I don't know if this sounds like, if, if I'm going to say what I'm about to say, and you're all like, yeah, obviously, Jen. But just in case it doesn't sound obvious, <laughs> I am afraid all the time in my business. I am afraid of so many things, some things going wrong or things not going as well as I hope they would or failing or making them like I have so much fear because I'm human. However, that fear never takes a steering wheel. That is my, that is my gift mm -hmm. as an, that is a skill that I have built as an entrepreneur is that I'm just as scared as anybody else because I'm a human being and it's entrepreneurship is basically a leap daily into the unknown. There are no guarantees in entrepreneurship, but I don't let it take the steering wheel. I have to let my courage be as big as my fear. I have to, my, uh, the steering wheel has to be my vision and my courage and my belief and my willingness that felt my acceptance that failure is part of the journey and so being afraid isn't the problem we don't have to eradicate our fear it just can't take the steering wheel and it's oftentimes just being really clear of what's the intentional decision and what's the fear-based decision and as long as I can clarify this is the intentional decision this is the vision-driven decision this is my experimental decision I know I'm on the right path because fear basically just wants me to try and control everything and hide away at exactly the same time and that leads to nothing good at all Amen. Completely. Yeah. Just like your reasons for choosing it. And I want to keep safe and hide in the cave is sometimes a good enough reason. But if that's always the reason you're choosing things, then you're going to be holding yourself back. Yeah. Oh, I cannot. I'm already excited to come back to record new episodes next year. Please, we, we are hoping to accept some new letters for new episodes next year. So if whatever you're struggling with in your business right now, whatever you'd love encouragement with or a pet talk, please submit. Is that is that a cat? <laughs> That's the dog, that one. <laughs> Please submit new letters, anything you'd love us to dive into. And yeah, a reminder that Sarah's class, well, you tell them, Sarah, because it's open for enrollment for one more day today for this, for the Christmas soiree. Yes, for Subset Soiree. Winter, holiday edition. If you want a community to get you meeting your goals and getting all your writing and your publication and up and running or wherever, wherever you're at before Christmas and then to kick off January with some awesome content and engaging with your community over on Substack, then maybe you want to check us out, the Substack Soiree. We are, we called it a soiree because we want it to feel like a party, maybe a party where we hang out in the kitchen with the cats away <laughs> from the main party, if that's more your thing, but a celebration. This isn't a slog. This is a joyful experience and I'd love you to come and check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here again this year with us after all those years we took off. I'm really, well, our goal next year is we're hoping to do at least one episode a month. And then we always do our private, if you're like, what's the private episode? Every month, Sarah and I record a business bestie chat, sharing like all the messy middle behind the scenes, the stuff we don't share anywhere else. It's what- The juicy ranting. Yeah. You get, <laughs> all, you get all the gossip, all the behind the scenes of our business and it's six pounds a month. We don't do anything else in our business that this is low, this low ticket. So if you want to join us as a paid member, 
you can get all the past private episodes and all the next ones coming up and so that the links will be will be to that in the show notes too but we are hoping to get one public episode out a month at least one a month from next year as well thank you for being here with us i hope this was an interesting last episode for you i'm wishing lisa and sarah and dirty and Catherine all the best thank you for sending those questions and yeah we will be back next year yeah have an amazing december everybody happy new year and remember you're not alone we're in this with you lots of love bye bye you can join us at letters from a hopeful creative.com and on social media so on instagram i'm at me and orla and you'll find me at jen carrington underscore we are going to be sharing new episodes so if you've liked what you've heard so far hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show yeah and we can't wait to connect with you soon